Well, friends, we really are grateful that you're here and hope that this time will bless you as we continue this journey from empty to full, using the spiritual practice of fasting to help us become filled with God's love and abundance. We're so glad that you're here. Remember, uh, please be sure to check in. If you're on Facebook or any of our streaming services, the app is the way to do that. And that helps us connect with you. It helps us to develop relationship with you. You just need to hit the button and check in. If you're on the website, there's a place for you to check in right there. We always love to know who's with us, how you came to be with us. And man, it's just fun to know you're here and to know that you're uh, joining this journey from empty to full. Well, we've been talking about uh, not only how fasting can help us to find uh, freedom and direction. Today, I want to talk about fasting as commitment and what that means for us as followers of Jesus. And, and it, I can't help but think of um, this uh, analogy. I call it the butt first syndrome. The butt first syndrome is fascinating because almost all of us suffer from it at some point. Maybe not every last one, but many of us suffer from this. It, it goes a little bit like this. You, you decide you, you wanna do the laundry. So you gather the laundry up, you walk down the stairs as you get ready to go. And as you're taking the laundry down, you notice at the landing down at the bottom, there's some of the kids' toys. And you think to yourself, well, okay, I'll, I'll do the laundry, but first I'll pick up these toys and clean this up so I can get that done. So you pick up some of the toys, you begin to set them aside, and then you realize, oh, there's one of the baby's bottles. Why did I leave that there for? I'll, I'll take care of these toys, but first I need to take this bottle to the sink. So you pick up the bottle, you walk into the kitchen towards the sink, and you notice before you get there, there's, there's the TV remote. What's the TV remote doing on the counter in the kitchen? And you think to yourself, well, I'll, I'll put the bottle away, but first I'll take care of this TV remote so we can make that good. So you walk towards the uh, living area where the TV is and man, you all of a sudden realize you're about to fall over the dog. The dog's right there on the floor and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I'll put the TV remote up. But first I realize the dog needs to be fed. So I got to take care of the dog. And before you know it, the day's almost over and you've got nothing accomplished. And you recognize that the but first got in the way every time. The toys are still there. The TV remote hasn't gotten where it needs to be. The laundry hasn't been done. The dog got fed. He's pretty hungry. And you realize at the end of the day, why couldn't I get anything done? I felt busy. I felt like I was taking care of everything, but something got in the way. It's the butt first syndrome. Now, listen, I realize if you're a guy, you didn't hear anything until I got to the word remote. That's all right. But the butt first syndrome is a fascinating concept because it's, it's real in life, but I'm pretty convinced it's real in our faith as well. I mean, think about it with me. We, we want a relationship with God. And so we know I'll read scripture or I'll pray or I'll come to worship. But first, I got to take care of my work or I got to check social media or I've got to watch that show or I've got chores to do or I've got family to take care of or I've got work to achieve. But first it almost always gets in the way. A part of the um, challenge of fasting is that it helps us to recognize that we can put God first through the fast. You know, this butt first syndrome is so pervasive. It, it was even in the early church, as Jesus began to collect some of his disciples, he, he called the 12, of course, and then he was in gathering and recruiting some others. And we're told in Luke's gospel in the ninth chapter that he tried to call some folks. And uh, one of their responses quite literally to him was, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first, let me say goodbye to my family. 
I mean, it's so pervasive, it went back even to the early church. And the power of that but first is, and it gets in the way all the time. So if you're taking notes or if you're in the app, just mark this down, quite literally. Sometimes we let our but firsts get in the way of commitment to God. But first, I need to do this. But first, I need to take care of that. But first, I'm going to get that done. And then I'll read scripture or I'll fast or I'll worship God or I'll pray. I want to challenge you right here, right now to take the but first and place it into the fast. Because here's the deal. I'm convinced that in and through our fasting, our emptying of ourselves so that God can fill us, that if we'll do that, it takes the but first and makes it God. God becomes first as God should be. That's the beauty of the fast. Listen with me just for a minute. Um, fasting helps this happen. Fasting helps us focus on God so that we can be committed to God. And isn't that our ultimate desire? I mean, our ultimate desire is to be committed to God, right? To be challenged by who God is and to live fully into that relationship with God. And so the fast focuses us. We talked much about this last week about finding direction. And then that focus, it helps us literally realize this is what I want first in my life. I want a relationship with God. I want to be committed to who God is and what God is doing in my life. Well, there's an amazing story in the Hebrew scriptures uh, from a book called Ezra. Now, I know a lot of us probably haven't read Ezra. It's actually a collection of two books, Ezra and Nehemiah. And the two stories or the two books tell the powerful story of when the Israelites are coming back out of captivity and they want to re-engage not only in uh, Jerusalem, the Holy Land, but they want to re-engage with God. They want to rebuild the temple. They want to worship the way they knew they were supposed to worship. But you can well imagine it's a journey. It's a journey literally out of captivity. It's a journey to build the temple. It's a journey to rediscover what it means to worship God. And so in Ezra, in the eighth chapter, we get a great account of how fasting helps them discover that commitment to God. Listen to the story. Chapter eight, verses 21 and through 23. Then I called for a fast there. This is Ezra. I called for a fast there at the Ahava River so that we might submit before our God and ask of him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our possessions. I'd been ashamed to ask the king for a group of soldiers and cavalry to help us in facing enemies on the way because he had told the king, the power of God favors all who seek him, but his fierce wrath is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and prayed to our God for this, and he responded to us. That fast, that simple element of emptying ourselves of food and focusing our hearts and our lives on God, that fast that Ezra called, it helped us and it helped them to discover that the fast is a way to understand commitment to God. It's a way to understand that if I'll just focus my attention on the one who gives me life, focus my heart, my energy, my desires on God. And that's the gift of the fast, you see. So Ezra's fast that he calls for all of the Israelites as they come back toward the promised land, as they begin the journey towards accomplishing, rebuilding the temple and re-engaging their worship, the fast helps them to understand 
the gifts of God. So the first thing I want to highlight about the fast that um, Ezra calls is, Ezra calls the fast to help them trust and commit to God, right? So if I, if I fast, I abstain in this case from food. It helps me then to pray to God. It helps me to lay my whole trust and commitment on God because there's no way Ezra would point out to them that they're ever going to rebuild this, that they're ever going to even get back to the Holy Land until they commit and trust God through the fast. That's the first gift that the fast that Ezra calls helps remind us of. The second is this, um, Ezra knew that the fast would demonstrate the power of God. There's nothing more that I want than man to know that if I'm committed to something, if I'm committed to God, I want to know that there's going to be something that comes out of this. I want to know and recognize that God has something in store for us. So you get just a couple of verses later in this same chapter. And here's what we begin to discover. When they left the Ahava River uh, on the 12th day, man, the power of our God was with us. He saved us from the power of the enemy and the ambushes along the way. So the fast not only helped them to trust and commit to God, but for them to realize that God has power, that God has authority, that God has this amazing ability to provide for those who will trust and commit. But there's one last thing that the fast did that's actually fascinating. The fast also helped them to know that they could commit to God in worship and to celebrate who God is. I mean, ultimately, that's what they were looking for, right? As they come back out of captivity, they want to worship God. And the, the fast helped them to do that. Now, you may know uh, Hebrew uh, religion and worship was all about sacrifice. It's not the kind of worship you and I have today. And so when I'm about to show you a passage of Scripture that describes how they worship, just remember that this is how they worshiped. It's not like our worship, but it was their way to honor God. So a couple of verses later, they worship God. They returned and made burnt offerings to God. They sacrificed 12 bulls, 96 male sheep, 77 lambs, uh, and they also offered 12 male goats. All of it was a burnt offering for God. Now, you think about that, and it almost sounds like a feast if you ask me. Man, it sounds like some good cooking, some good meat, some good eating. But that wasn't the purpose of the worship. When they sacrificed the animals, it was literally a fragrant burnt offering for God. I often describe it this way. You know, um, when we think of fat and meat, we think of it as, man, that's not any good. But what we do know about the fat and meat is that's what makes it smell good. And certainly if it's marble just right, it's what makes it taste good. But just think if they're burning all these animals, the fragrant aroma of the fat burning was what God was pleased with. It was a way to say, God, I'm so committed to you. I'm going to give you the very animals I rely on. I'm going to give you the very things that help bring sustenance and life to me because, God, I'm committed to you. And I'm going to offer these things to you that would normally bring us sustenance, but I'm going to give them to you as a sign of my honor and gratitude for your power, for your ability in my life. You see, the fast that Ezra called the Israelites to, it was an amazing gift to say from my sacrifice, God, I'm all in. I'm all with you. There are no but firsts. You, God, are first. You see, this is what fasting does. It helps us to better understand our commitment to God, which at the foundation of who we are, that we yearn for that. We want that desperately that to know that I can be committed to this God. I can commit my whole self to God. The fast helps us to do that. So 
Look with me, if you will, about how fasting can help us. Fasting, we know, empties us. It empties us of self so that we can be filled with God. That's the whole concept of empty to full, right? And I love the story of Saul's conversion. You know, Saul becomes Paul. He's this great persecutor of the church. God calls him, sort of yanks him up and literally fills him. We're told in Acts chapter nine that um, uh, three days after he was blinded, he was without sight and he neither ate nor drank. He didn't call it a fast, but by golly, that's what that is, right? <laughs> and so in his fast, Paul was then filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to then share the, the gospel with hundreds, if not thousands of people over the next many years. And it was all because he was willing to empty himself so that he could become full, right? Well, here's what we also know, commitment. It takes commitment to desire God. I wish I could tell you that it was my natural inclination to desire God every minute of every day. It, it's not. I wish I could tell you that my first instinct when I get up out of the bed is to just go, God, how am I gonna spend time with you today? It ought to be, but it's not. And so it takes commitment to desire God. And that commitment can be heightened, can be um, uh, sort of enlivened through the fast. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, right? And Jesus goes to their house and Martha's scurrying around doing things. And Mary is focused on Jesus. She's giving her whole commitment to Jesus. We're told in Luke chapter 10 that uh, Jesus simply says to Martha, 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 you're distracted by so many things. There's need of just one. In this case, it's the fast. It's the sense of emptying myself so that God can step in and fill that uh, which was empty. And it's the gift that God has to offer to us. Fasting also offers us this opportunity. In the commitment, in dedicating ourselves to God through the fast, man, we discover freedom. We discover strength and we discover direction. That's what we've been talking about these last many weeks. And ultimately that leads to commitment, which in turn helps us to re-engage the freedom and the strength and the direction. Jesus did this, remember? That's what we learned the very first week. Matthew chapter four, verse two, Jesus fasted 40 days and nights. And remember, he was able to overcome temptation. He was able to put uh, the tempter away. He was able to begin his ministry because in his commitment through the fast, Jesus had discovered freedom strength, direction. It's an amazing gift. The last thing we understand about fasting and its commitment is that commitment, it brings reward. I mean, just think about it. If you're committed in your marriage, it's a rewarding experience. If you're committed in your work, it's a rewarding experience. And if we're committed to God in faith, and certainly through a fast during these 40 days, we actually get a reward out of it. And the reward is a rich relationship with God. Look with me at Matthew chapter six. Jesus actually talks about the fast. And when he talks about the fast, he just says, look, do this in secret with God and the God who sees you in secret, that God will reward you. Now look, that text is all about this. It's all about a relationship with God. And so in and through your fasting, know that it helps bring reward. The reward is that strength, is that freedom, is that direction. And it's all found in a commitment to God. Friends, look, God's looking for one thing, one thing. It's to be first in our lives. God wants to be first in a relationship with us. And so 
the beauty of a fast, whether it's one day, 10 days, or these 40 days of Lent, however long we fast, that fast, it calls us to commitment. It calls us into a deeper, stronger bond with God. And it helps us to realize that as we commit, there's a reward in the simple relationship of that commitment. It's a wonderful thing. And I pray that you're experiencing it these days. And then let me invite you to do this. While you're committed to the fast throughout these 40 days, whatever your fast is, I want to remind you and invite you to commit to be generous to the clinic in Mozambique. Friends, you can set people free. You can heal their lives. You can offer wholeness to the villages. You can bring education and security and safety through these mobile clinics. Friends, I know that you'll want to help. And I know that the fasting will help enrich your commitment and help you find a way to put away the but first syndrome. Let's stop that syndrome and let's put God first, not anything else, so that in our fasting, we might find that great strength, that great freedom and that great direction. I'm excited about your commitment to the fast and your commitment to the mobile clinic in Mozambique. Thank you for making that real. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of commitment that you have offered to us in giving us your son, Jesus, in helping us to know that you loved us beyond compare, that you loved every last one of us as if we were the only person in the world, and yet you love us just the same. So help us, God, through our fasting these days, to find commitment to you, that we might worship you, celebrate you, and be in a rich relationship with you because you are making us go from empty to full because of your desire to be first in our lives and our desire to commit to make you first in our lives as well. God, thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, each and every week, I just say to you, thank you for all that you do to make ministry possible. Your generosity is literally helping people. It's changing lives. It's helping folks grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for making that possible. If you'd like to make a gift now or tomorrow or next week, you can always text the letters TMUMC to the number 45777, or you can go to tmumc.org give. But whatever you give, we are grateful. Well, friends, as we gather for communion, I want to remind you, if you haven't already gotten your elements, the bread and the juice, if you'll please go do that, we'd love for you to join us as we celebrate the gift of God's sacrifice in Jesus and the gift of his love for us through this meal. For the beauty of this meal is it reminds us that Jesus is with us and Jesus is for us. And so as we prepare, I want to invite us to confess our sins. So if you'll just take a moment privately in the comfort of your own home, wherever you may be, to just take a moment and reflect on the ways in which we have fallen short and missed the mark and not quite lived up to God's expectations for us. Let's take just a moment and pray our confessions. Friends, the good news is Christ died for our sins. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
your sins are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As we gather around the table, we're also mindful that when Jesus gathered around the table with his friends, he was in an intimate space, just like you are right now. And as he gathered with his friends, he took bread, he blessed that bread, he broke it, and he gave it to them and said, take and eat, for this is my body and it's broken for you. We know when that same supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to God. He offered it to them and said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink it, Jesus told them, remember me. And so we do gather in remembrance of God's mighty acts of salvation found in Christ as we gather around this meal and celebrate together with our friends across the community, the state, the nation, and the world. And we're mindful of Christ's gift of giving himself for the world because he loved us. Will you pray with me as we prepare our time? Holy and gracious God, thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus, for the way in which he offered himself fully to the world because he loved us. We pray in these moments, God, that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us gathered wherever we may be and that your spirit would fall afresh on these gifts of bread and the fruit of the vine, that it may become for us the very presence of Jesus, the way in which he becomes real and true in our hearts and in our lives. And may we, having received it, become one with you, one with Christ, one in ministry to the whole world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast together at the heavenly banquet that calls together all who've gone before us and all who are yet to come so that we might indeed celebrate the gift of salvation found in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we now pray, amen. Friends, the body of Christ broken and offered for you the cup of Christ poured out for you and for the world for the salvation of our souls. Thanks be to God for this gift. Will you join me in praying our Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.